1: Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, is part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Tuesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, as well as the podcast to be named later, all at batterypower.com, at Battery Power SBN, across all forms of social media, free on all podcast platforms. And all you got to do is just hit that subscribe button. Wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available from the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name's Sean Coleman. Hope again, wherever you are and wherever you're listening, you're having a terrific start to your Tuesday. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest. From Atlanta. And the latest is this it was an exciting Monday for multiple reasons when it came to the Braves franchise and the Braves fan base. The BBWAA Awards, basically the four major awards the Rookie of the Year Award, the Manager of the Year Award, as well as the Cy Young and MVP Awards, all announced this week. And of course, there are multiple members of the Braves organization who are in the running for several of these awards, but Monday brought with it what probably was going to be the most exciting day because it just gave the Braves franchise the best chance to win when it came to the National League Rookie of the Year award. And make no mistake, and for plenty of right reasons, This was likely going to be the most debated award of the major awards out there when it came to Spencer Strider and Michael Harris. There are many outlets each year, each offseason, that will name their Rookie of the Year for both the American and National League. And both Michael Harris and Spencer Strider had received the honor from different outlets over the past few weeks. But when it came to the major Rookie of the Year announcements, it was Michael Harris II. That took home the hardware, winning the 2022 National League Rookie of the Year. It was the first time since 2011 that both the first and second place winner in either the American or National League both came from the same team. As Sarah Langs mentioned on Twitter, this is actually the ninth time that teammates have finished first and second in either the American or National League Rookie of the Year voting, but the first time that it happened on a reigning World Series champion. So that's just how special of a season that it was for both Spencer Strider as well as Michael Harris. Of course, in the American League, it was also a closely contested uh, matchup between the Mariners' Julio Rodriguez as well as the Orioles' Adley Rutschman, as Julio Rodriguez was named the 2022 American League Rookie of the Year. And it just highlights how special this rookie class is, as a matter of fact. Since 2000, there have been 15 outfielders in Major League Baseball, 15 outfielders who have produced a FWAR of four or better in their rookie season. Now, at the top of that list, you've got future Hall of Famers and Mike Trout and Albert Puholtz and Aaron Judge, as well as Ichiro Suzuki. But it may not be that known. It, It may not be that aware to many that actually eight, excuse me, nine, of the highest f seasons, or excuse me, three of the nine highest f seasons by rookie outfielders since 2000 occurred this year. Julio Rodriguez had the fifth highest FR value for any rookie since 2000, or any rookie outfielder. Michael Harris had the seventh highest value, and Stephen Quad of the Indians had the ninth highest value. This was just an amazing year when it came to production by rookie position players, one of the, you know, I guess you could say not necessarily deepest, but in terms of high-impact rookies, and and several of them unexpectedly. I don't think anyone coming into this season would have really expected, you know, Stephen Kwan or, you know, Michael Harris to have made the impact that they did. But there were plenty of high-level contributors when it came to rookies in both the American and the National League, and that's what made 2022 so fun to watch when it came to the young talent in baseball. But I don't think anybody's going to deny the fact that both Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris II were more than deserving of winning the AL and NL Rookie of the Year, just like I don't think anyone would have argued that both Adley Rutschman and Spencer Strider were deserving as well. Two of the more contested um, Rookie of the Year races in both leagues in the same year that we've seen in recent memory. But the big thing to take away from this is obvious. Yes, Michael Harris II is more than deserving, and it should be celebrated just how special of an impact that he made during his rookie year. You know, I highlighted it, you know, several highlighted it, you know, during the season. Michael Harris just didn't stand out because because he was producing the way that he did simply because he was a rookie. He stood out because as soon as he made it to the majors— It was clear that he was one of the best two-way center fielders in the game, both in uh, in terms of his offensive production and playing center field at a gold glove level. There's going to be multiple gold gloves in Michael Harris's future. As we've talked about before, it was a surprise that he wasn't a finalist this year. But in terms of his offense, Michael Harris was legitimately one of the most valuable outfielders, one of the most impactful outfielders from the start of August through the middle of September at a time that the Braves lineup needed it because a few of their other regulars who had been outstanding in the first half of the season kind of fell off. So that's the thing that stands out. That's the thing that also stands out about Spencer Strider. We're not just talking about, you know, Strider in terms of rookie pitchers and Harris in terms of rookie players standing out compared to other rookies in history. We're talking about the fact that for much of the time that they were in the majors this season, both Spencer Strider and Michael Harris were among the best in Major League Baseball. They were among the best in Michael Harris was one of the best outfielders, Spencer Strider one of the best starters in all of baseball, and that's what makes it so special, that not only did we get to see what they offered in 2022, but the fact that we potentially can see this for seven, eight more years of both of these players, you know, playing together, Strider helping to anchor the rotation, and obviously Michael Harris, um, the second, manning center field. So, Monday was more of an opportunity to once again validate just how special the emergence of Michael Harris II and Spencer Strider both were in 2022 and to celebrate the fact that the Braves had them together for so long thanks to the extensions that both signed during the season. But Monday also brought with it some news that put to rest any speculation that the Braves are not invested in another young talent that they're hoping returns to full health and if he does will clearly show the superstar that we all know him to be. Of course I'm referring to the validation that the Braves are fully committed to Ronald Acuna Jr. being this one of the central figures of their core now and into 2023 and beyond.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent you want your child to have every opportunity VAN29.com.
1: Over the past two seasons, it has been absolutely incredible. Uh, Whether you're a Braves fan, someone that covers the Braves, I'm sure for many in the Braves franchise, it has been incredible to see just how many young talents have emerged and had breakout seasons. And not only that, have been able to sustain their breakout seasons either over a full year or over multiple multiple years. It is absolutely incredible. You know, talking about everybody from Austin Riley to Dansby Swanson, Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, Kyle Wright, Others, William Contreras, there are so many Braves that I feel over the past two seasons have reached ceilings either early in their careers or as they entered their prime that many didn't expect for them too. Many didn't expect for Austin Riley to emerge as one of the best offensive bats in baseball over the past two years. You could say the same about Dansby Swanson being among the best shortstops in baseball over the past three or four years. It's been truly amazing to see The level of production that many talents on this Braves team have risen to meet when it comes to their perceived ceilings versus the actual ceilings they've performed at over the past few years. It's been a great development. It's a big reason why the Braves were 2021 uh, World Series champions and why, arguably, they have the best young core in baseball over the next five to seven years. But I want to end any speculation. In terms of what Brave has the most impactful, highest ceiling of anybody on the team, it remains and always has been Ronald Acuna Jr. While others have broke out and, and, and just been absolutely fantastic over the past couple years, what's been so spectacular about it is that it was needed with the fact that Ronald Acuna Jr. unfortunately has not been able to play at his ceiling due to the ACL injury that he um, experienced in July of 2021 and, you know, the eventual return, but the management of it in 2022. It was clear Ronald Acuna Jr. just was never at his full healthy self last year. But the point that I'm trying to make is is that if you go back to what Ronald Acuna Jr. did In 2019, if you go back to what he did in the first half of 2021, make no mistake about it, Ronald Acuna Jr. has one of the highest ceilings in all of baseball. As spectacular as Julio Rodriguez is, as spectacular as Michael Harris is, you know, as spectacular as we've seen Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, and others be, Ronald Acuna Jr. has that type of ceiling. I don't think many have forgot that. It's just been quite a while since we've seen it consistently. And the fact that Ronald Acuna Jr. with that type of ceiling is signed to the deal that he is long-term, it makes him among the best values in baseball when you compare cost versus production. And even though he has experienced a major injury to his legs, that certainly didn't seem to stop him on the base pass last year at all. Once he gets through this offseason, has a fully healthy offseason, I fully expect and think that many should fully expect Ronald Acuna Jr. should get right back to being the annual MVP candidate that we all know he has the capability to be. Now, I know I'm stating the obvious. But it seems like that on Monday that was needed after some speculation was out there that the Braves potentially could be looking to shop Ronald Acuna Jr. Now Brad Roland talked about it on the um, Battery Power podcast you know, and others have speculated on it as well. But Ken Rosenthal came out and directly addressed any speculation that the Braves could be shopping Ronald Acuna Jr. in his latest offseason piece in The Athletic. And he stated directly, the Braves are not considering determining to trade Ronald Acuna Jr. Duh. <laughs> that's, that's the reaction that I think many of us should rightfully have. It made no sense. It just simply did not add up at all that the Braves would even think about trading Ronald Acuna Jr. Now, if some may speculate that Ronald Acuna Jr. may not necessarily be uh, the, the, the the happiest that he's been you know, in his career. I can understand that. Last year, he was without his best friend in Ozzie Albies. And, and to be honest, when you really look back at Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies, they've not been able to enjoy a full season together playing with each other since 2019. Both, obviously, you had the shortened 2020 season, and both were injured during the 2020 season. Last year, Ronald Acuna, or 2021, Ronald Acuna was out half of the season due to his ACL injury. He then comes back and is off and on available at the first half of 2022, and then in mid-June, Ozzy Albies is basically out for the rest of the year. So you've not had two players who clearly enjoy playing with each other, and Make no mistake, Ozzy Albies is a huge, huge impact in the clubhouse. And, And him and Ronald Acuna Jr. are clearly two of the closest friends in baseball. They've not been able to experience playing each other when both are healthy, really, since 2019. And there's a good chance that they're going to be able to do that once again in 2023. So the fact that that's not been there for Ronald Acuna Jr., I think probably has. Not made things as enjoyable as they were in the past. While also Ronald Acuna Jr. dealing with trying to get back to full health coming off the ACL injury. So, sure, I think it's fair to say that Ronald Acuna Jr. has, has certainly had some of his struggles and, and his frustrations. But I don't think there's ever been anything, any indication or anything close to valid proof that Ronald Acuna Jr. is not happy with this situation in Atlanta. So any type of speculation or any type of discussion that the Braves could be shopping Ronald Acuna Jr. likely was just for the sake of content without, you know, being, you know, based off anything valid. Obviously, with it being the early offseason, obviously with the name Ronald Acuna Jr. having the level of intrigue that it does, Ken Rosenthal went ahead and just put that to bed. So any speculation, any talk that Ronald Acuna Jr. could potentially be traded this offseason, that 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 was farce. False, whatever you want to call it. And obviously, Ken Rosenthal coming out and stating that, you know, hey, the Braves are not going to trade players that they've clearly invested in long term. Makes all the sense in the world. But on to more valid or on to more, you know, actually we're talking about subjects when it comes to the Braves. Ron, or Ken Rosenthal also, um, you know, made, made a point to talk about what the Braves offseason moves could be. Because make no mistake about it, with the Braves clearly emerging as being one of the best World Series bets over the next five to seven years, but the rest of baseball is going to be interested in what the Braves do. Especially when they've signed so much of their talent to long-term deals and also have clear designs on being a top five payroll in baseball, it's clear that the Braves are looking to be a major player each and every offseason. But to that point is the exact reason why Ken Rosenthal made it clear that outside of a potential reunion with Dansby Swanson, there's not much out there as of right now that indicates the Braves are clearly going to be in the market to make a major move on a major talent on a long-term deal. Of course, we're talking about if they don't sign Dansby Swanson, we're talking about the Braves potentially going out and signing Carlos Correa or Trey Turner or, um, you know, Xander Bogarts or, you know, perhaps uh, uh, Jacob deGrom. Ken Rosenthal clearly, you know, threw some cold water on that speculation and he brought up a logical point. He brought up the fact that the Braves have just not ever, under Alex Anthopoulos, made the move to go beyond, you know, twenty to twenty two million dollars per year, which is likely going to be the range Dan's responsible sign in. They've just never seemed to be a team that operates in the mode of signing players to multiple deals for thirty plus million dollars. Now, you would think that with the Braves having signed their young talents that they have, like Austin, Riley, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, and others the, over you know this past year, the reason why they would have done that is potentially to give them flexibility to go out and make major moves. But the, the, the version of the major moves that Alex Anthopoulos prefers is not going out and signing a singular talent. To a five plus year deal and 30 to 35 million plus per year. That's just never been how Alex Anthopoulos has operated with the Braves. He kept committed to the Braves young talent in 17, 18, and 19. He didn't trade it away for a major win now moved because he knew keeping that young talent was going to be the best way to make the Braves competitive long term. He then turned around and invested in that young talent over the past year or two. And again, the financial flexibility for the future that comes from all these team-friendly deals, yes, it could leave room for the Braves to go out and sign a Correa or a Turner or a DeGrom, potentially. But it's not really how Alex Anthopoulos operates. We know that Alex Anthopoulos prefers to go more with short-term deals to be able to, you know, pay for impact players over a year or two at fair value deals. And then from there also have the flexibility to make moves on the margins that we know he is very good at doing like he's done many times at the trade deadline. So the logic is certainly there and it may not necessarily be what, you know, many want to hear. You know, the hope is, is that coming off, you know, another, you know, really successful 2022 season, though it ended earlier than many had had anticipated, with the Braves signing all these good deals, and especially with many of these deals right now still being cheap for these young players, if there's a time to, you know, strike on, on a major addition like a DeGrom, it's now. But it just doesn't line up with how Alex Anthopoulos operates. And that's fine. That's fine, though it may seem as if the Braves need to make that type of move. It's hard to question how well Alex Anthopoulos has done things the way that he does it up until this point, obviously leading to the 2021 World Series. And again, the Braves having one of the best young cores in baseball moving forward. So again, the byproduct of all these extensions for young players, the byproduct of of future payroll flexibility, it's more for the Braves to year in and year out. On a year-by-year basis, it's more allowing for them to have flexibility to make significant short-term additions than it is for them to add major payroll over a long period of time. And while that may not necessarily lead to the most exciting outlook for this offseason, it does allow for the Braves to operate in the way that they have seen return the best results for them. And again, it's hard to really doubt how the Braves are operating with how successful they've been so far. Now, with that being said, at the end of the day, as we've discussed before on the Daily Hammer, as many have discussed before, it's always been sensible that the most likely outcome for the Braves at their shortstop position is to just simply re-sign Dansby Swanson and have the reunion for him. But of course, if we go back a year ago, we thought this same thing about the Braves and Freddie Freeman and it didn't work out. I think that there is a more likely chance that Dansby Swanson is going to sign long-term with the Braves than there was with Freeman. However, I also can certainly see Alex Anthopoulos, while a major move may not be going out and signing another, you know, talented shortstop or, you know, going out and making a major investment in the starting rotation, if Dansby Swanson signs elsewhere, I do think that Alex Anthopoulos could be in the market for a significant type of acquisition at the shortstop position. Now, what does that look like? I know that there has been speculation that perhaps Willie Adamas is, you know, available from the Brewers. He could be someone, though Rosenthal said in the same piece where he discussed all this information about the Braves, he said in the same piece that Adamas is, you know, probably slim to none chance that he's traded. Perhaps the Braves can go out and make a move for a shortstop that they feel has not really developed where he is now, but could come into the Braves organization and go to a higher level of production. That's what the Braves had hoped that they had found when it came to Orlando Arcia a couple of years ago when they made the move for him. And I know that Alex Anthopoulos on multiple occasions has talked about Orlando Arcia or Vaughn Grissom being internal options at the shortstop position. But I think that the comments, I think that Alex Anthopoulos' comments, Ken Rosenthal's information that he revealed, the big, big way to look at it is as of now. As of right now. Again, I don't think that it's very likely that the Braves are going to go out and make a huge, huge move of signing a DeGrom or signing a Carlos Rodon for the pitching staff or going out and signing Trey Turner and Carlos Correa or um, Xander Bogarts. I just don't think the Braves are going to make a big-time free agent addition this offseason. But when I say that things need to be taken with a grain of salt as of now, is because these comments make sense as of now. Until Dansby Swanson signs elsewhere, I do think that the percentages, the odds are that he's likely going to re-sign with the Braves. But if he doesn't, that's the type of domino not falling in the way many had anticipated that could change things for Atlanta and could lead to them Shifting towards making a significant move that will bring in a potential long-term answer at the shortstop position. While I find it unlikely that the Braves are going to go out and sign a Trey Turner or a Carlos Correa if they don't re-sign Dansby Swanson, I find it just as unlikely that they're going to go into next season with Von Grissom and Orlando Garcia as their options at shortstop. They may. But at the end of the day, I think that the most likely scenario continues to be that Dansby Swanson winds back up in Atlanta, but if that does not wind up being the case, and when it's clear that he's not an option anymore, then that's when we could see Alex Anthopoulos potentially make the significant move that many think could be in the cards this offseason. That's what makes this offseason so much fun, is that despite the fact that the Braves have signed a lot of their young players to extensions, and you would think that that would make news a bit slower, there's still plenty of potential moves out there to make. And even if you may find it boring that Dansby Swanson returning to Atlanta, that may not be you know the sexiest move out there, it still remains the most reasonable. And if the Braves are able to retain Swanson for a long-term contract, it just adds to them having one of the best young cores in baseball moving forward. So plenty to talk about on a Monday. Again, congratulations to Michael Harris II. Great to see also that the Braves have made it clear Ronald Acuna Jr. is not going anywhere. And though the news from Ken Rosenthal on Monday may mean that it's a bit slower start to the offseason than some of us have hoped, it's going to be interesting to see once again what eventually happens with Dansby Swanson. And if he's not back in Atlanta, what it could mean as far as the Braves changing their offseason plans. And of course, with it being Tuesday, that brings with it the announcement of the 2022 American League and National League Managers of the Year. Now, I think in the National League, Buck Showalter probably is the favorite because the Mets coming, I'm not going to say coming out of nowhere, But the Mets clearly emerging as one of the best teams in the National League. They certainly should be doing it with the talent and payroll that they have. The fact that they did it in 2022, I think, makes him the favorite. But I will say, Brian Snicker is more than deserving of the 2022 Manager of the Year award. I know that his team won the World Series in 2021. I know... That the level that he managed at at the end of 2021 and in the 2022 playoffs, that's hard to top. But in terms of a full season resume, I think that it's hard to debate. Brian Snicker did his best job in 2022. Dealing with the injuries that he had to, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzie Albies, Eddie Rosario and others, you know, his bullpen, his reliable bullpen options, not being as effective, losing Luke Jackson, you know, as well as, you know, Will Smith and, you know, Tyler Matzick not being effective, having to put major trust in rookies, but also positioning them to be as successful as they were in Spencer Strider and Michael Harris. There were a lot of moves that Brian Snicker did that allowed for the Braves to turn their season around and emerge as clearly one of the best teams in the National League this year. And I think because of that, he sincerely does have the best case in the National League. It'll be interesting to see what eventually happens. Of course, stay tuned. So here uh, on the Battery Power Podcast Network, we'll have the latest for you when it comes to any news and obviously, you know, potentially more rumors that are out there. You can learn listen to the Battery Power Podcast, Road to Atlanta Podcast, the podcast to be named later, as well as the Daily Hammer, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at Stats StatsSEC on Twitter. Until next time, go Braves, and we'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer.